Hey, Selwyn. Uh, welcome to our Faith Lab podcast. Uh, this is Lisa McLennan, and I'm here with Lori Rabel. And uh, we are continuing to work through our series called Letters to a New Church, where we're reflecting on the epistles in the New Testament and uh, just sort of taking a look at what those letters to new churches then might have to say to us today as we continue uh, to, to merge into a new time in the life of the church. And this week, our letter uh, comes from uh, is let, Paul's letter to the Romans. And just so you have a little bit of context about that letter before Lori reads um, a piece of it. Uh, Paul wrote this letter. This is one of the letters he wrote to a church he did not found. This was not one of the churches he established and set up. Uh, this was uh, the Christian church that was uh, established and growing in the city of Rome, the, the capital of the empire. And Paul wrote it to them uh, because he'd heard of some situations happening, but he, he was hoping to visit them soon, and he wanted to garnish and gather their support as, uh, as a disciple and an apostle. But one of the situations going on was that there were Jewish Christians uh, in this church, but there were also Gentile Christians. And those folks lived very differently and they followed different practices. And you know, the Jewish Christians still held on to a lot of the Jewish laws and understandings of who God is and how God interacts with us. And the Gentile Christians didn't understand those old historical beliefs. And so, um, of course, there were tensions. Uh, Christians disagreed on different things. And so Paul wrote this letter to address some of these issues. Uh, it's the longest letter Paul wrote. It's 16 chapters, and there's a lot in there. And so Lori and I are going to uh, talk about some of it today. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Lori, would you read us uh, some of Paul's letter in chapter 8? I sure would. I'm going to read uh, chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 31 and end at verse 39. Uh, this happens to be one of my favorite pieces of scripture. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lori. Um, that is, I think that's a lot of people's, you know, if they pick their top 10 favorite scriptures, it would land in there. Um, it's just, it's a good word of comfort um, that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. 
Um, but that's one piece of a lot in this mm -hmm. letter. Um, Paul has a lot to say. There are so many topics to cover. Um, and some of my preparation, one of the things I read was, you should never just write one sermon on Romans. It should be a series. There's just too much to say. Yeah. Um, so maybe another time. Um, but one of the other things I, I love that I read was that um, this letter is called um, Theological Dynamite Throughout History. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's the single, it, it is the book along with Galatians that really propelled Martin Luther to turn, to turn uh, on, on his, on his heels uh, during the Reformation. And, and as soon as that happened, um, this is where we find the meat of justification of faith by grace alone. Um, and from that point, reformers throughout history um, have used this book, um, Paul's writings in this place to, to work that out. So it's not just Martin Luther, but it's John Calvin and John Wesley and Karl Barth, the, the, the whole gang. Um, this is where we find the, the heart of the Reformation. Yeah. And, you know, justification is one of those big themes, um, in this letter and, and what, you know, what Paul is, saying is that it's not our works that save us. It's not the church that saves us. It's not, you know, um, sacraments that save us. It's not baptism or, or any of that. It's, it is Christ that saves us and Christ's um, willingness to get on that cross and, and die. Um, and so one of the other themes that, that then Paul takes from the justification you know, why does God do this? You know, weren't there other ways that God could have taken care of sin um, or the fallenness of humanity? And yes, there were, but it, it relates to God's righteousness. And that's another big well, thing. Well, right. What is even, what does righteousness even, I mean, what does that mean? Righteousness. That's good, Lori. That's a great point. Thanks for that loaded question, um, which, you know, God's righteousness. It's a huge topic. And it's a huge word that we don't really, um, you know, the, the Greek word for it is one that there's really not an English equivalent. Um, it's about, you know, God's righteousness sort of covers two things. God's all encompassing um, goodness and love for mm -hmm. humanity, but it also encompasses this notion of justice and how God wants good for all God's people and, and for things to be right and just. And, um, you know, you can't I mean, really- justice, justice is a loaded word right, right now in yeah. our political realm too, you know? And so many times I feel like part of our work in the church is to reclaim that word and to unpack it. And it is intimately tied to this notion of righteousness or what it means to be good um, what it means to create wholeness for every human on earth. Absolutely. Wholeness for every human on earth. That's a great way to describe what God means by justice. Um, but it's interesting because justice is a loaded word these days. And, um, Interestingly, the, the Jewish people receiving this letter, the Jewish Christians that received this letter from Paul, 
um, their understanding of justice was what we just described, the wholeness for all people. Um, but the court system that they were accustomed to, interestingly enough, Lori, um, you know, we, when someone is not charged with a crime, we use the term acquitted, mm -hmm. right? That's sort of the, our modern word. But the word they would have heard, which is interesting, when someone was not uh, charged with a crime, when they were found to be innocent, yeah. the word that was used is the same word for righteousness. So God's righteousness, um, that same Greek word is the same word that their court systems understood to mean people were innocent. So when we're talking about the righteousness of God, we're talking about how God um, acquits us of our sinfulness. Yeah, I mean, right? that's the whole thing is like, we should not be acquitted. You know, so what happens when somebody is not acquitted, and that's the point of this text all, yeah. altogether. Right. So, you know, God's righteousness is a loaded word because it's something that God possesses and contains, but it's also something that is imputed to us. Is imputed a word? Yeah, we'll use it for today. You know, right. this reminds me of um, Karl Barth's um, quote um, that, you know, Christ is is the judge judged in our place. Yes, that, absolutely. That, I think that that image or that that sums it up, you know, in terms yes. of how this might play out for us. Absolutely. And, and, and that's like, that's a whole huge theme in Romans. Um, that this notion of a just God who, you know, um, judges us and, and does so and takes our place. Like, it's just a, that's a big theme in Romans. Um, but that we're all guilty, right? That, that the other piece of this big theme in Romans is that Christ died for the ungodly, not the godly, right? Right. But that for the ungodly, which is all of us. Um, people in that day didn't necessarily buy into that notion. They're, they are, well, well we still don't buy into that notion right. because right. If the first, what's the first thing that you say when something really terrible happens to one of your loved ones or you lose somebody you love or just something tragic happens? The, the first thing we do is we say, what did I, what did I do to deserve this God? I must have done something uh, bad for mm -hmm. this to have happened to me, whether it's a miscarriage or a betrayal of some sort, um, that we still can't get it into our heads or our souls that, that there's nothing we did or didn't do um, for God's grace or, or, or you know, there are consequences to our, our actions, but certainly when bad things happen to good people, um, that, that God hasn't done that bidding, <laughs> you know? So I still think we struggle with it when at our core. I absolutely agree with that. Um, so it's, you know, the truth is we do still struggle with that. Um, but the reality is we're all sinners in need of a savior, right? Like yeah. none of us are, are free or exempt from pain or suffering or hardship or trials. And, um, but just to just turn that on the, uh, on the other side of it, you know, the other side of that coin is that I think so often, um, 
we hear like, well, we're just, we don't deserve God's grace. You know, our God's image of us must be bad. Um, God perceives us in a way that's that not good. And that's not, and that's not it at all. You know, God's image of Imago Dei, like we are created in God's image. And if we believe that God is good and we believe that God is just and righteous, well, then we have to believe that about ourselves as well. So even though we, we are sinful and we miss the mark all the time, um, God doesn't perceive us that way. And that to me is the heart of this passage that the implications of what we're talking about is like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish, it doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, it, it, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is that God has ch- chosen in some way to embrace us and, and refuses to be separated from us, no matter what we do or don't do or say, or don't say. Absolutely. Uh, that's why the title of my sermon is God is for us, right? Because God God's amazing love, you know, and righteousness and depth. He sees us as beloved, beautiful children and that there's nothing we can do to be separated from that love. Well, are there any things you would want us to think about between now and Sunday when we hear your amazing sermon that that you're in the midst of writing? What do we need to be thinking about? Um, I, I think I would just want people to think about you know, what, what does it mean that God is for us, right? Um, you know, how do we wrestle with that notion amidst the struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the year we're coming out of. Um, I, would, I think I would want us to, to wrestle with, um, it, if God is for us, you know, is God against anybody else, right? And I, I hope we I'll come to the same conclusion of no, God is for us, all of us. Um, And I guess lastly, I think I would want uh, people to ponder um, that Imago Dei image that you mentioned, right? Um, and, And as they go out through the world and they encounter, you know, we're emerging now as they encounter different people that they haven't been like, looking at the people in our community, in our city, and in the world as beloved children of God, mm-hmm. that um, Christ died for us, not just me and you and the Christians, but for all of us. Um, so looking at that Imago Day and the people we encounter. Thank you. I look forward to hearing more. Yeah, great. Might you have a, might you have a prayer to send us yes. out into the world with? Thank you for talking through Romans with me. And I hope those of you listening, wherever you are, um, I would encourage you, if you get a chance, just crack open the book and at least read all of chapter eight, if not the whole thing, 16 chapters. It's a, it's a long letter, but um, there's good stuff in there. All right, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that um, your righteousness um, is not just something you hold on to, but something that you uh, put on us and share with us so that we might be your beloved children. We thank you that your righteousness in, involves the notion of justice that includes a, holing, a wholeness and a healing for all your children so that we all might have uh, what we need in this world. 
we ask that you be with us as we go out this week and uh, we emerge from a life in a pandemic and that we would look at all those we encounter uh, with your eyes, um, eyes that see your creation, uh, the beauty of, of each individual person and that we share uh, love and grace and kindness among each other. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Great. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Bye.